0: Thank you for downloading Fearless in Devotion, a podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Here
1: they come, almighty champions. Raise your voices to the anthem, marching with our mighty-
0: We are Rhys, Tim, Andy and Liam from Fearless in Devotion, uh, which we are contractually obliged to inform you, is sponsored by Wrexham's finest bar, restaurant, gastropub, anything and everything in between, The Fat Ball. Uh, Back on the pitch, a first league game for the Reds in three weeks yesterday and they were straight back into winning ways with a 2-1 victory over Yeovil. How was uh, listening to that one, Liam?
2: It was, first half was, I think what we were worried was going to happen when we spoke last, which was us trying to play an out-of-form team, into form um, really struggling in midfield. But as soon as we got the goal, second half sounded like a completely different affair. Just sounds like everyone picked up a bit. Um, I noticed Parkinson said at the end of the match, you know, they had a bit of a word with the players, and, you know, it was a bit of a test, really, to see how they responded. But they responded well, in all fairness.
0: Yeah. Andy, did you, was your blood pressure pretty high after that one?
3: Um, I was more angry in the first half. I just thought, same old, same old. Like, they haven't fixed the problems that we've known needed fixing since since the transfer window shut. But I think... I think sometimes if you're going for a promotion, you luck on something, there's a bit of fortune. And I think we'll talk about it in this one, how when Wayne Phillips got injured, they had to play Carlos Edwards at right wing back and it led to a promotion season. So why can't it be the same for McElindon at left wing back, which will allow Hosanna to go on his, on his favoured right-hand side and maybe that little catalyst we need to, to make this formation
0: work for me. You know what? Michael Linden was really good. And I'm going to sound like a hypocrite now because I was saying to people on uh, after the game yesterday that the problem with the formation we're playing is that Michael Linden doesn't really fit because he's more of a winger and it doesn't really fit wingers. But he was really sharp, great feet, put some good crosses in. And that's the problem with Husanna on the left, obviously, is that he hasn't got that's a yeah. left foot. You know. So
3: he- what was he like defensively? Because I would imagine that they were, especially when we... we uh,
0: we equalised. They were they were going for the win, weren't they? Were they putting him under pressure? Uh, we're no, we're not they. They were playing for the win after they scored their goal. What eleven minutes in, and they were time wasting straight away. So, and they didn't really come back into it. It was all a second half. So, I wouldn't say that was an issue. All the defensive issues seemed to be midfield again. Just getting absolutely bypassed. Some w- w- one thing I remember thinking was. Every time, they were pressing us really hard and maybe to be fair that caught up with them towards the end and maybe they ran out of steam but they seemed to have yards of space in the midfield you know there was no one tight Um, but I did you know I'm not going to go through everyone from yesterday but you know my personal take so he's a bloke that gets a lot of criticism mainly for being anonymous and maybe not living up to uh Some a bit of a reputation, but I thought James Jones was easily our best midfielder yesterday. I thought he, you know, I I tried to watch him closely and he just worked extremely hard. I mean, I should say that there wasn't much competition for the best midfielder yesterday. Uh, But, you know, I think some of the criticism can be a little bit unfair um, in that regard. Um, Great finish by Mullin, who I still think looks about 80% of what he was in August. Um, There was one bit where he went, he was put through on goal. And the defender just passed him with ease, absolute ease. Struggling, isn't he? He's, he's, he's not running as fuck. You know, he's, he's not flying anyway, but he's definitely lost a few yards of pace. But however, you get the ball in his feet at the edge of the box, and that's what he can do because it was pure pure class. And he was still really good. It's just he's definitely lost a couple of yards. But anyway, Tim, how was it for you? Did you listen? Um, I didn't listen.
2: I had a busy day yesterday. So I, it was a classic. Um, checking my notifications, and one minute I checked, we were, we were a goal down, and our group chat was like, Are you surprised? blah, blah, blah. And then the next minute, um, I checked it, and the notifications showed it as a complete reversal. So that was nice. Um, not massively surprising because our away record is very good. You know, it's pretty obvious, it's been documented that we've now done a record. Is it 14 away games where we've Scored in each one of those away games, new record uh, for the club in its entire existence. So you know you've got to, you have to doff your hat, uh, doff your hat. It's not going to be plain sailing and pretty all the way. It's fifth division football at the end of the day. So you know what, we keep grinding them out and gritting them out, and so be it. Um, I thought looking at the highlights, their goal, I think Layton seems a bit culpable for that should he be watching that a bit more carefully or is he blindsided by a player i, I think
3: don't... i think it comes through a few players i think my, i don't my, think he's... my guts my gut when i saw slow it
2: to the ball he's really yeah. slow to the ball which is unlike him May, maybe i'm being it's easy it's easy to, to be judgmental from such a, uh, a an obvious angle looking at it from there but i'm splitting hairs at the end of the day you know we've won and that's all that matters really so set us up nicely going into these uh, these home games
0: Mm. My gut was at the time that it was just a really good strike. Actually, he's got it right in the bottom corner. He's got, he, you know, he's they've engineered too much space by the by, at the edge of the box, and he's got a decent strike in. Um, absolutely went for it uh, for the for the fans behind the goal. I was at about the penalty spot, and I have absolutely no idea why because it was only about ten minutes in, and they'd had no abuse. So uh, thankfully, uh, he paid for that one. And I actually do have an announcement to make because last week on the podcast. Um, I made a casual remark um, about the organisation of the South Wales Reds bus to Yeovil, in that I would be surprised that it would make it in time for kickoff. off um, to which I was highly criticised uh, at the game, uh, because we actually arrived before noon. In fact, it was just after 11. Uh, I've no idea how we, we did it, other than the bus driver was a uh, bloke called Drunk. John... Tavie, and he he was going for it. He was going for it. I'll, I'll, I'll give him that. So uh, apologies to Rich, in particular, from the South Wales Reds, who I have to say, the organisation, absolutely second to none. And also, what an absolute pleasure to see so many South Wales Reds go in, 48 on the bus, uh, started in Abertevey, Cardigan, just before 6am. And they didn't get home, I think, till gone half 10, 11 Um, and uh, it picked up at Carmarthen, uh, Hendy, Swansea, Patalbert, Pencoyd near Bridgend, and then Cardiff for the last 15. So great to see so many, and uh, a really good day out as well, and hopefully the uh, first of many to come (laughs) post-Covid. What's that, I hear you ask? Uh, No, it's not an email klaxon. It is a klaxon for a new feature. Tim would you care to explain and introduce this one for us
2: yeah I haven't come up. I haven't come up with a witty name for it yet I'm sure I will do but
0: I'm not sure you will
2: yeah well I will I will um have faith it's all very well and good at us getting guests on and former players and former managers and even current players um but we thought it'd be nice to sort of hear from from the people that make this podcast podcast tick as well which is the fans the lifeblood of the club so we've decided to invite fans on just to to ask them a few questions about you know their time support in Wrexham any funny stories they might have favorite player most random place they've met a Wrexham player blah blah, just a bit about fans in general why you support the club because you'd be surprised at the the sort of range of answers that you'd be given really so so we've put out like a general pot of questions which will probably change now and again just just to keep it fresh and yeah it'll just be a case of of DMing me um, or, or whatever on, on the Twitter account if you're interested and then drop us a voicemail with the answers to the questions we send you and you'll be included on the following week's podcast in all your audio glory.
0: We're all about fan engagement, aren't we? Content yeah. and engagement, they're the two pillars that I sort of run my life by. And
2: and uh, yeah, content. Absolutely. No, it's wrong, isn't it? It's cake. I, I've got it all wrong. I'm working too hard this weekend. So <laughs>
0: anyway,
2: who have we got up first, Tim? We've got um, a good friend of mine and a massive, massive, massive Reds fan, uh, John Davis. He's a hugely keen runner. He's always listening to our podcast when he's out on his ridiculously long runs. Uh, I think he's got a lot of marathons coming up, so good luck in advance for that, Jono. And yeah, massive, massive Reds fan, um, season ticket holder, and it's forever dragging his, his nephew along to the game. So uh, first up is uh, John Davis.
1: Hi, lads at Phyllis and Devotion. My name's John. I'm 41 years of age, and I'm from Acton in Wrexham. I've been supporting Wrexham for just over 30 years now. My favourite away day, and why? I'd have to say Birmingham in the FA Cup in '97. Uh, we won 3-1. Um, we made a, a very good Birmingham team look average that day. Probably the best performance I've seen Wrexham play. The atmosphere was absolutely amazing. And um, at the end, when King Carl settled it, well, it was it was absolute scenes, wasn't it? It was um, it was amazing. Uh, I'd like to be staying Northampton when we clinched promotion in ninety-two-93, but sadly I was only 12 years of age. Um, it was a school night. My mum and dad wouldn't let me go, and that's something I've never forgiven them for and something I, I still wind them up about to this day. Um, worst moment supporting in Wrexham. Um, relegation at the Football League... Although it was um we knew it was coming when it was actually finalised that was a, a sad day. A club like Wrexham should never be out of the football league and it's it's hard to believe we're we're still not backing it yet. Um another one was Chesterfield in the FA Cup. I think the mistake between Darren Brace and Andy Marriott was a horrible, horrible goal to go out on and you know, a team who we, we thought we were going to to win against. And I think, had we played Middlesbrough in the next round, I, I would have quite fancied us to beat them, but that's gone now. Best Wrexham shirt, I've got two. The Adidas home shirt, 80-81 season. And then the Wrexham Lager home shirt, 92-93 season. I think if you were to put the Wrexham Lager logo on the Adidas shirt for me, you're not beating that. Um, I do prefer the retro shirts to the modern day ones, and I'm hoping one day we could, we could maybe do something with, uh, with Adidas and uh, Rex and Lager. You're stuck on a desert island with any Rex and player, and why? I don't know. Mickey Thomas would be a good one, Benno, but probably I'd have to say Joey Jones, the legend, Joey Jones. Um, just pick his brains about his football career. You know, whenever you speak to Joey, he's always asking how you are. He, he's never bigging himself up. He never talks about himself. And I, I think it'd just be nice just to sit there and talk football and his, about his days at Wrexham and, and Wales. Uh, funniest Wrexham FC story. I think I was about ten, ten years of age. I was staying at my nans. My mum, and dad were working and I wanted to go to the game. My mum didn't let me go, so she purposely didn't give me any money because she knew I'd try and go there. So me and my friend, Alex, we decided if we washed cars, people's cars, we'd get a bit of money to go to the game. That happened. We ended up going on the cop, wrecked someone. Uh, it was all going well. And then when I got home, my m- mum was talking to me and she said, oh, wreck someone?" And me not being the sharpest tool in the box, I said, oh, yeah, it was a good game. Um, and my mum was like, what? And then I told her, I confessed. My mum grounded me, uh, but luckily my uh, my dad overruled it. What is higher, 90s Bez or the Kairas floodlights? <laughs> well, as much as I like Bez from the Happy Mondays, I'm uh, definitely have to say that our massive floodlights, no matter which way you come um, to the ground on match Day, you can see them a mile off, can't you? So yeah, definitely the floodlights. Complete the sentence, I believe the current whereabouts of Charlie Trafford is. Um I dunno, is he is he working on Wayne's Burger Van or is he living it up with Ryan in uh, in Hollywood? Cheers lads, thanks very much.
0: Cheers, John. Uh, any thoughts on what we heard there
2: from John? Pretty standard. Yeah, he's good. John, to be fair, he did a, he did a second stab at it. I, won't, I shouldn't reveal this, but first time he was like overthinking it. and I just said just be more organic with the answers. You know, it's not nobody's getting uh, getting points or prizes for this. This is just for the love of the club. So just say what comes into your head naturally. and We'll
0: have fun. Oh, hang on. I was rating this. I know. I said I, I've got a leaderboard up on the wall already.
2: No, oh, okay. it's just uh, in your weird London bubble. Take that down straight away.
0: Also, John, you're going to be listening to this running, I'm sure. Keep going, mate. Keep the pace up. Otherwise, yeah. you're letting everyone down, yourself down, your family down. You don't want to do that, so keep running, please.
2: Yeah, it you know, definitely wasn't me that injured your ankle for you not to play football for our uh, esteemed employers the other day. So, yeah, just thought I'd throw that in there for good
0: measure. Anyway, it's time for this week's proper interview. Sorry, John, but no one cares. This week's proper interview is with a Wrexham legend. Uh, Andy, tell us who we've got. Who we've got, Gazoey? Run the VT.
3: This fella needs no introduction, so it's ironic I'm about to give him one anyway. <laughs> one of my, my favourite players when I was growing up, he made nearly 300 appearances for his local club. He was involved in iconic cut runs and provided the pass of the century, so voted for in everyone in my house, for Lee Jones against West Ham in 1992. He played for the Wales Under-21s and B teams, and many believe he should have had a full Wales cap before he moved to Doncaster, Connors Nomads, Airbus and Rill. He's still in and around the club now as the women's under-19s boss, and you can even see him playing his guitar at a packed turf on match days. We'll even forgive him for being born in Chester, so welcome to Gareth Owen. Yeah. Oh, thank you,
4: fellas. Great introduction. Thank you very much.
3: Cheers. Oh, it took me ages to write that, mate. <laughs> all right, I bet, yeah. oh, no, no, no. I, no, actually, I didn't write it. That, that will, that will that spoil was the mystique. Nice. I just came up with it then. Brilliant. <laughs> right. So... Let's go back to you and West Ham. There was something about you and West Ham, wasn't it? There's obviously that two-all draw in 92, and we'll probably discuss more of that later. But let's go back 25 years. It's almost to the day to Upton Park in a replay. Now, with those plays, did you always think that win was on the cards? And didn't Harry Redknapp say he'd he'd do you guys on a better pitch after that snow-affected first
4: uh, first tilt in it? I believe he did, yeah. And, And... Um, I suppose you never know what's going to happen in football do you never mind on a, on a pitch like that you know at two inches of snow and um, I think I was only watching recently like and you know the amount of mistakes that were made by Premier League players at the time as well as ourselves so yeah it was always tough playing on snow I quite enjoyed the snow to be honest I used to love, <laughs> I used to love playing in, in any kinds of weather to be fair but um, yeah the snow was pretty difficult on the day and uh, I think mm-hmm. it was a time when the orange ball came out, and yeah. you're here before the game. You sort of you're getting ready for the game, and, and you arrive at the ground, and um, you know there's been snow, obviously, and, and the lines on the pitch had all been sort of um, highlighted by the groundsman. But it was still, as you all were, you well know, it was it was a good two inches, and maybe even a little bit more. So it makes for an interesting game, and it's certainly a leveler from our perspective. And, and as players, you always want the games on. I'm sure mm-hmm. Flinnie did as well. I'm sure Harry Redknapp didn't. Um, I don't know whether their players fancied it so much either, but um, I think Porfirio equalised on the day. Didn't we go... Yeah.
2: yeah. Did we went we one up. Yoza, Brian Hughes scored in the sixth yeah. minute, and then Porfirio scored just before half-time, but it ended up all square. They had four <laughs> buckings. We had two
4: booked, So they were looking... Didn't Porfirio say um, say he'd never seen snow before? Yeah. yeah. I think Harry Redknapp had, had come on and said, you know, in his after-match interview that Proferio had never seen snow before, which is, um, it happens, doesn't it? People, it, what are different walks of life, I suppose. And um, mm. we very rarely see the sun in the UK, do we? So, <laughs> <laughs> certainly, no, you know, no great temperatures over here. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, as I say, a, bit a strange affair, I suppose. But, um, yeah, I think we played them four times in, in a quite short period, didn't we? I think two, yeah. two three or four years, maybe, in, in the FA Cup. Yeah, mm. quite, a, quite a lot, wasn't it? But yeah,
3: yeah. And t- take us back to that replay because I remember it was a it was another cold day. But there was no snow there, wasn't it? Did you sort of think in the morning there's something in the air here? We looking at the t- your teammates, looking at how that squad had, has had evolved. You know, did you sort of think we can do them here?
4: Yeah, I've said before we were we were a, a band of brothers. I suppose there was quite a, a few of the young lads had all come through together at the same time. So we. You know, we were really good mates off the pitch as well as being teammates on the pitch. And I think you always find if that's a really good recipe for you know a team that's gonna have a um you know and never say die attitude. You know, we always thought we were in games, we always thought that we could um we had goals in us, you know, whether that be Lee coming on, um it was Pacey, young, hungry, um, or the likes of Gordon in previous years, you know, Steve Watkins obviously and um, in previous years we always thought thought that we had goals and that wasn't just from you know our forwards um you know midfield as well and it's it was it was such such a nice uh, thing for me to to contribute and to have people still look back on that that pass. Um yeah, going into games, I think um you know, we we always fancied ourselves. Uh, we had that no fear attitude as well, a bit of naivety, I suppose. About you know, we were a lot of young players in the team that had come through at the same time as well. So we had that that naivety, but we also had some really really good senior pros, and Andy Thackeray, Mark Satori, you know, that that kind of person within the squad, uh, Kevin Russell, another one that springs to mind, um, that would settle you, you know, before you went out for the for the for the bigger game, should we say and and it was always nice to have flynnie and kevin and joey obviously that would settle things um it was a full house there i think at west ham away a really big crowd I remember going to take one corner and getting called all kinds, you know. You're walking yeah. up to the corner of the pitch, and all you can see is faces, and, and every single one of them was calling me something different. You know, you're talking to <laughs> thousands of people, like which is um, which is always interesting. But you'd have a bit of banter with fans and that, you know, and and sort of try and ride ride along with it. You never wanted to get on the, the wrong side of any set of away fans. Um, but yeah, as the game sort of starts, then and, and we felt that we were. We were always, uh, I suppose, in it, if I remember rightly, we went 1-0 down and Wayne equalised. They scored a, not a great goal if I remember a set piece, I think, maybe a corner set, uh, to go 2-1 up. And mm-hmm. then we're going into the last 10 minutes of the game, I think. Um, and prior to that, I think we'd had a couple of good chances. I think Stevie had a 1-1 against McCloscoe. Um And unfortunately, um, he saved that one. And then Lee came on and me and Lee had a really good... Um, relationship, you know, on and off the pitch we were teammates. Sorry, yeah, teammates with the twenty ones, uh, and always roomed together with with Wales twenty one. So we, we had a really good relationship on and off the pitch. Knew he was quick, and as soon as I saw him sort of warming up and coming on the pitch, it goes to your mind as a player. Yeah, one of my strengths was that was that longer pass. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you know you never knew what or never knew what was going to unfold in the last ten minutes. Um, yeah, I remember the ball. In the in our own defensive sort of right hand side corner of the pitch, Andy Thackeray and, and Mark Satori going over to cover, and it popped out and it it came to me. I turned, and I must have been on the corner of our own 18 yard box. Took another touch, yeah. and Lee, Lee made my mind up. You know he's he's already on his way, and in an instant, I suppose as players you, you make those decisions and. Um, I think Tim Breaker was probably five yards behind Lee, even, but I could see Lee's back. I could see the number on his back, which is always a sign that he's he's on his way, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was one of them, I suppose, a golf shot. I, I suppose I describe it as that one iron that you don't feel that comes off your club, and and it doesn't make a sound either, you know. And it seemed to travel a long way in a short time, um, and then landed, and it was yeah, Lee was. Um, you know, as I said, I knew Lee was quick. He'd gone past Breaker, I think, in in 10 metres. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're talking of a, of a season right back there and Tim Breaker, an experienced player, you'd expect him maybe to read things, but I think the ball caught him by a little bit of surprise and then Lee's pace caught him by even more surprise. And, you know, the yeah. next thing you know, he's, he's through one-on-one with McClosco and slipped it past him. It, it, by Lee's admission, it wasn't his greatest finish ever, but to see it at the back of the net it, as players and, and then... It was a bit, a bit of, uh, yeah, it was surreal. I suppose I'd describe it. You sort of, for me, I was, I was up the other end of the pitch, mm-hmm. and I could see everyone celebrating, and we peeled off. The, they peeled off towards the right, I think, where our Exeter fans were behind the goal, and some were up in the stand to the right. And I think I was too tired, to be honest, to go down. and <laughs> you know, Celebrations. Um, I mean, what do you do? What would you do
3: when you play a ball like that? Do, do you carry on running, or do you just stop and uh, admire it?
4: You hope more than anything that it's going to end up in the back of the net through the centre forward that's on the end of it. Um, mm. oh no, no. I, I suppose no. Any player will will tell you. Anyone that's um, you know, we've had some. I was very lucky to play with some with some unbelievable players over the years, and the, the, you learn off those players that you can't um, you can't get to admire anything during a game. You know, if you stand admiring things, that that moment is gone and. You might, that second that you've admired something, it might just be the second they let you down, getting on the end of a cross or, so no, no, not something that you're like, it's nice to look look back at it. (laughs) (laughs) look back at the footage. Is it safe to say that's the best pass you've ever done? Uh, Yeah, safe to say, yeah, yeah.
3: Um... I I was going (laughs) to ask you actually, because I I just watched that game back and before that pass, the one to walk in, I thought it might have been even better because you picked it up, you went through a couple of players, and then you you played you played him in again. And I was just going to ask you if that had gone in, would that have been a better assist, in
4: your opinion? Um, possibly, yeah, because of the little skip. And jump, it's coming back to me me now, Andy. Yeah, there was a little skip, skip past a couple of players, and I think in that moment there, you could see it's in my mind to get in behind him a little bit. And that, as I said, that was probably one of my greatest strengths as a player was was that longer pass um so the seed is already set then for, the, for the five minutes later when lee comes on and it's in my yeah. mind to do a similar thing but mm-hmm. you'd expect you know you if you've done it 10 minutes pre- previous and they've gone in a 1v1 you'd expect west ham at the level they're at to get onto yeah. it to tighten up or narrow up or to protect the space in behind a little bit more and, and be switched onto it but yeah it just happened happened on the day and um Yeah, it it, it was nice for those two sort of, um, for people to still remember those two pass, especially obviously the one that led to the goal. Mm. Um, Who knows what would have happened, you know, if Stevie's had gone gone in, the second one might never have happened. (laughs) Yeah, but um, yeah, it was, you know, we were a real, um, we had belief in each other as as a team and, you know, and and we had sort of that in our locker. We had Lee's pace, we had pace out wide and we had a solid, a real solid back four, you know, as I say, Andy Thackeray and... Phil Hardy obviously left back, um, Mark Satori, Carlo, we used to call him, and Brian Carey, I think, played on the day.
3: Correct yeah, he did, yeah. He still, yeah. No, I think he was still on loan from United, wasn't he? Yeah. Um,
2: so we've done a bit of, um, we've done a bit of time travelling here. We started the discussion in 97 with the draw. We've kind of pinged back to 92 with another draw. Um, which we ended up losing the replay 1-0 at the race course. Let's fast forward again back to 97 in a kind of back-to-the-future future styley with you, yeah Doc or Marty, whoever you want
3: we'll, to We'll have a Garifo in pass that puts us yes. right back in to <laughs>
2: 1997. 1997, okay. 1997, yeah, <laughs> so, so Snow and, and Hugo Perforio and Harry Redknapp have buggered off back to London. yeah. Furious. So we, we've ended up drawing three each with Notts County, I think, um, and then Drew 0-0 at Luton in the games between the replay. We're headed into the replay. Um, it's pretty nip and tuck that match. There's not a great deal in it. Um, there's only one substitution made. <laughs> um, you've played 75 minutes yeah kevin, kevin russell comes on for you kevin russell came on for you in the original game as well but much more later on was was there any game plan was there any, any discussion that flinney said you know what we'll give the old timer the sort of 10 15 minutes later on let's see if he can want <laughs> did, did, did you have any conversation with kev when he went on or was it just a case of knackered get on then and, and start uh, yeah
4: yeah you, you know 75 minutes at that at that level was always tough and I think, you know, it was a great roll of the dice from, from Flinney. Totally agree with the, the substitution. It's always, um, I think Kev always had goals in, didn't he? You know, as a midfielder or a forward, I was lucky enough to see him in his first spell at the club as a, you know, as an s- older schoolboy, struck YTS. Uh, first year YT, watching him in 88, I think it was, 88, 89. Um, yeah, and, and I always learnt off him as, as, a, as a younger player coming through then. I you always learnt loads off Kev. He was a brilliant player to, to have around the place and also a fantastic you know, person really f- one of the funniest lads I've met in football and still is um, so we to- had
3: him on a couple of, uh, couple of weeks ago we, we, we agree
2: <laughs> and he, and he <laughs> as well. Andy Dibble told us he likes to dress in women's clothes at parties <laughs> <laughs> promotion yeah. parties
4: anyway Not Man, any- <laughs> worse than that yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so he came on and I don't even think we were always in the game and you don't really expect that do you you don't expect to go as a i think we were in were we yeah we have gone up then obviously we were what was division three then yeah um you don't expect to be in a game i suppose after 75 minutes you know, you you don't expect to but we felt that if we, the longer the games like that go on the more chance that we've got scoring i said we always had goals in the side and, and, and rooster was a brilliant example of that and um, I think it was balling into Stevie, didn't it? Stevie, Stevie, with his back to goal, was as good as you'll see. Um, uh, so he's held the centre-back off. And it was just that perfect role for Rooster to come onto on his left foot. Um, which, by his own, own admission, wasn't as strong as his right, but certainly something, you know, if it was going to fall to anyone's left foot, apart from Carl Connolly, I would have fancied Rooster. Um, yeah, and lo and behold, it's the back of the net. And, you know, again, unbelievable to see and fans going mad and, the boys going mad and celebrations after it, and it's just a case of hanging on. Then, <clears throat> yeah. Would you score that goal, um, Stevie? the rolled it to you. No, no. I, I, it it still be going through the air now. Mickey says about his free <laughs> kick. It'd, it'd have been catching Mickey's free kick somewhere on my left foot. Um, but yeah, Kev had that natural sort. You would, you couldn't tell whether he was striking with his right foot or his left foot. Was the, probably the biggest compliment I can pay him and. Um, I can't. Was it? Was it still a Costco in goal? I think he might have even. Yeah, yeah, what, it was. It was for Costco, was it? Yeah, yeah, Costco, Costco. Sorry, yeah. So he must have been sick of us. Be,
2: when you were on the bench watching those last fifteen minutes unfold, yeah, and, and you're close to 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 and, and Reeves and Reeves and all that. Did you ever get a sense from them? Did they ever say, you know what? something might happen here, or, or, or was, he, was he prepping for extra time and penalties? What was going on on the bench at that point?
4: Probably a bit of both, to be honest, Tim, yeah. Like, like Flynn, he was so shrewd, you know, as a, as a, as a manager, he got the credit that he, he deserved at the time, and he had some very, very good staff around him, in Kevin, Joey, um, you know, they were the perfect storm in many, for many, in many ways. Flynn, Flynn, ex-midfielder, brilliant with us as, as midfield players, Kev obviously was a, a fantastic forward and, and helped our strikers. And Joey was the ultimate defender. You know, so between the three of them, there's so much experience there. Um, so, and and go, as I say, going into those final minutes in games like that, when you're actually on the bench, you get to understand the tension that it is from having no control whatsoever about what's going on the pitch. Now, them three going through that, especially, you know, like Joey, two, two European cups, Flinnie, 60-odd caps for Wales, I think. Kev, you know, a million pound player for City and the experience they've had and not being able to do anything about it, it it was tough to watch. (laughs) Um, I think they always had trust in us. I think they always had trust in us, which was, um, again, a fantastic compliment for us to have because of where they'd been in the game. You know, and and I think that's seen sort of as well in in many a game where they, they, you know, the, the trust that they had in us to see games out. To, to pull a, a you know a draw out of a, a defeat or to go on and win a game in the last minute. Um yeah it was it was everyone used to run brick through brick walls for them because the way they treated us. Were you down as a penalty taker? <sighs> no, nah, I probably not I'd have probably been after the five. We had we had like I mean Phil was always strong. Phil Hardy was a you know for all the goals he didn't score it was fantastic penalty taker. Um a fantastic penalty taker <laughs> um, Steve Watkin a you know fantastic penalty taker um, I can't remember he, Hardy ever taking a penalty. You know, he scored one a, goal.
3: One one, I think. One goal. Yeah, yeah. Was a <coughs> in, a, in a penalty shootout. Um. I've never let a left pegger take a penalty. Isn't that the old adage?
2: <laughs> there, is, there, is, there is a picture of that. There is a picture of him taking it. It's, it's
4: immortalized forever. Yeah, but yeah, there was. We had some strong penalty takers to be fair. I'd have fancied us. You know, if it had gone to pens. Yeah. Yeah, I still fancied us. Pure until it got to me. Um, yeah, yeah, purely because of the strength of, of, the, of the mindset of some of the, the lads that we had. Was it practised in the build-up to that? Because, you know, with it being a replay, it was every eventual? Yeah, was, if I remember rightly, it was something we, we did quite right re- I wouldn't say regular, but it, it, we didn't leave it to big games or, or replays or anything like that to have, you know, maybe 10 minutes every two weeks, just just taking pens, whether it be against Andy or the younger keepers. Um, just so you get in that moment. And I don't think you can ever replicate that exact moment, um, but it certainly gives you repetition through where you're going to yeah. put the ball. And um, I think once you start with pens, once you start changing your mind, that's when you start to have problems with them. But um, yeah, thankfully it never got that far.
2: <laughs> we, we'd had a lot of um, experience of replays up to that third round because Colin Bay, first round, ended up in a replay. Um, and I think the second... Well, that was was it Scunthorpe? It was Scunthorpe, yeah. Thorpe, yeah. Replay. West Ham ended up in a replay. Yeah. yeah. So you know, and then obviously we, we got the draw for Peterborough and then you know obviously Burlingame, we will come to that. Um but but just just before I'll let Andy back in a minute, we, we've mentioned the winner, you know, Kevin Russell, 90th minute. <laughs> Socks halfway down around his ankles, his shirt out the back like Carl Connolly. But before then, what, what was it like playing against some of those players? Because looking through their team, McClosco, Slavin Billich, Breaker, Rio Ferdinand, Frank Lampard, Julian Dick, Stan Lazaridis, uh, Williamson. You yeah, had Hugh- it
3: so good until Stan Lazaridis. I know, started. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it
2: was going so well. Uh, you got Led Sealy, ex Man United goalkeeper on the bench, Mark Bowen. I mean, when you're up against players of that ilk, and, and you've done it at the second time of asking when not many people w- gave us a chance. Um, what, what was it like coming up against them? Do, do you just have to put out the out of your head that they're top flight players and, and just crack on with it? They're just a person.
4: Yeah, once you start thinking, um, we had this conversation actually really about the, ar- the Arsenal game, you know, and um, Mickey says it and... and you know, Others have said it as well. And once you start looking at the opposition and, and weighing them up and thinking that Arsenal game was, you know, I think, 11 internationals, West Ham, no doubt, probably, again, seven, maybe eight international, regular international players. I think it was a, a, a lot of us young lads had a no-fear um, no approach to games. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever that is, I suppose, it, I, I was always probably, I look back at myself and, and and some of the footage from certainly when I made me, you know, in my younger years, 18, 19, 20, some of the tackles I'd go in for, it didn't register how big these players were or you know what I might get hurt, or and, and Phil was like that. Wayne Phillips was like that, um James Kelly was like that, Jim Kelly and you know, a lot a lot of us were had this because we've been brought up playing men's football from sixteen to eighteen, probably, it against Gwersel. Rose Elwood, yeah, yeah, <laughs> back Johnstown, yeah, punky Banks, yeah, Banks. So once you've been to them places, the likes of Upton Park against Julian Dix was was a was a breeze because <laughs> some of the characters in them local leagues that you come up against, that you know, the first thirty seconds that you know you, I'm going to break your legs, mate. Let me make that clear from the off of the gate. I'm going to break your legs. That's what you hear over your shoulder. I'm not. I'm not joking there. Uh, and it was just all intimidation. You know, very rarely would you actually get hurt in any of them games. But if you didn't glance over your shoulder when receiving the ball, you you know you're in trouble. And um, so that that's always in your sort of mindset. I think as players, as I said, and, and probably a lot of the younger players that played in those games had that mindset. So going into the games, it it, it didn't. I just. I've got to be honest. It. It was just all games like that are a blur around the outside. You don't really notice whether there's a thousand or twenty thousand or, or Old Trafford forty thousand because it's just a blur, and you're so focused on what you're doing, you and comfortable with it because it's, it's your job. And, and you know anyone else as you should be. It should be. You should be comfortable there, or more comfortable than, than anywhere else. Like me. <laughs> My comfort zones, you know, are, are, are in work now or um, I think it's important you try and push them, them barriers, but always as a player you felt comfortable. Um, and there's, there's, as I said, I don't want to go into the, the, the current job on that. We might talk about that at the end, but there's, you know, in, in life, in both of you boys in work, you know there's a zone that you get into where you're not comfortable. And that's where you learn, I suppose, a lot as well. You've got the learning zone in between that and your comfort zone But and uh, rambling. As players... Yeah, it was. Um, it was. There was no fear in the environment. We all we were all digging for each other, whether we got a goal down or a goal up. We always used to have it like an even keel approach to games. We'd never really get too carried away if we were one 0 up. We wouldn't get too despondent if we were one 0 down. So, um, yeah, it's always important that you you know you approach the games like that, and now hopefully the results come with it. Obviously, that
2: that sorry, Andy. I'll, I'll just, just no, not
4: go on, mate. Just, just
2: obviously that entire cup run we got to the quarterfinals. So I'm just going to kind of like wrap, wrap that up to, to a lesser degree. Beat Peterborough 4-2 away. Again, this is, this is Brian Hughes having a stormer. This is what ends up getting him his move and so on and so forth. And then you kind of like, I don't know if you'd had an injury or whatnot then, but I don't, you went in the team for the win at Birmingham, the 3-1 win at Birmingham. And I think you were a sub for, I can't remember which game it was now, but and. Chesterfield the way Chesterfield, match yeah. it all went wrong when you came off the bench um yeah. 20 minutes left. Were you injured for that Birmingham
4: game? Was there a no oh, Tim, I honestly can't remember whether it picked up an injury or not. Um or whether it was just a form of, of Brian Hughes at the time as well, you know, it, it who'd have got in ahead of Brian Hughes at the time because he was on he was on fire on he and and obviously it led to the to the move for him. But even it was nice to sort of take a step back at Birmingham and watch it as a as a as a Wrexham fan and watch the play the lads play um, was probably I, I would say in the whole time I was at the club the best best away performance I've probably seen. Were you and, in the
2: away end that time as well. There's seven thousand of us, wasn't there in the away end for that game? <laughs>
4: <laughs> I think was I, was actually... sat, I was sat behind the benches, nice, um, quite low down as well, so couldn't see a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I was even in the squad. Somebody again that might have been injured. I'm not too 100 sure, but to watch the you know the, that that team play like that, it almost makes you um, you know appreciate what fans would have seen as well. You know, on the day it was almost um, um, as I say, re- really a, a performance. Which if it wasn't as good as it was, you end up getting beat. It's as simple as that. But um, some colossal performances on the day, you know, Peter Ward, Tony Humes, Brian Hughes, obviously Carl with the winner, uh, amongst others. You know, you could name all of the players and the subs on the day. Um, mm-hmm. But what an atmosphere there! And as I say, the the best away performance I think I've seen from, from Wrexham live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to so, game.
2: Let's
4: let's let's never talk. No, God, no. <laughs> um,
3: Gaz, would you say that that that? that game and that subsequent cup run all sort of stemmed from 92. And what I mean by that is these youngsters who came through then were battle hardened. As you said, they, you know, they worked for each other, but Brian, because of that, and because of a little bit of extra finance was able to supplement them with better players, the likes of, I know you've mentioned them, the likes of Peter Ward, the yeah. likes of, you know, Andy Marriott came in. Um, Did you think it all sort of came from, from that? And do you think it would have been su- as successful as, as a club if, if they hadn't had that, that run in 92?
4: Yeah. I think I only tweeted, Mickey had put something on Mickey Thomas, had put something on about the goal. The free kick, I believe it changed our destiny for the next 10 years. Uh, and that's a, an iconic, you know, an iconic of a moment that it was. So from that, that, that free kick and and that moment, I think, um, and and the way Flinnie was wired and how cute he was as a, as a businessman as well, you know, not just a football manager and a great coach as well and a, a mentor to many of us. And um, the, the the people he brought in after that, it just grew and grew and grew yeah. And and I you know I was fortunate enough to stay for that for that period and along with Phil and and you know Steve Watkins and Kieran Durkin then came and Carl and Connolly and and obviously Benno signed for the. Obviously, the, the 92 93 season, and and then, uh, yeah, just a conveyor belt of players that were, were the likes of Peter Ward that were the, the experience that we needed. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, um, um, a quick one Was Andy Marriott mean?
3: <laughs> because Kevin Russell threw us with this uh, curveball about think, how he yeah. wants to try to charge Wayne Phillips a free kick. For free kit, and so I think we need to put to bed how mean is Andy Marriott on a scale of one to ten?
4: I think it was kept. Well, Rooster would probably describe what is it? What's the phrase? Something like peeling orange in his pocket with a boxing glove on. Or I think Rooster. Would say. <laughs> um, yeah, he was tight. He was a minge Is, is the word that a good old D side word? Um, back. Yeah, minge <laughs> bag. You'd um, never see him, you know, getting getting any kind of rounding for the lads. Or I don't think he he drank to be fair not that you know any of us were were, you know any great drinkers at the time it was it was very professional and uh, those days had gone but yeah Andy was a teetotal as well so yeah yeah he was a minge mate so he wouldn't even buy a round (laughs) even (laughs) buy a round no no
3: um okay let's let's go way back that's that's let's start at the beginning again so when did you really start to take football seriously? When did you sort of think maybe I could make it? And when did you get scouted by Wrexham?
4: Oh, good question. Uh, do you know what? The, are you talking about the first time I sort of started to play?
3: Yeah, I mean, and you know, uh, were you always head and shoulders <coughs>
4: better than the people in your
3: school or or your, or your age group, or did you, did it come through practice that you
4: that you got to that level? Yeah. Do you know what? It was going over on us so we lived behind, the school was behind us, golfed in primary school. We lived off the back of the school. So you'd skip your back fence and you were onto mm. the playground and, and the fields and what have you. So we were lucky to have that. And there's a group of us used to go out um, every day. The amount of contact you have with the ball, I think is really tough to repeat nowadays because the environment we live in just doesn't allow for that. I suppose, dust, dust, till dawn with the ball. Um I would also attribute as well other sports. So I, I enjoyed the cricket at the time. I enjoyed playing tennis, um, table tennis as well, just anything with with eyeball coordination helps you as a helps you repetition, I think. Um but yeah, I was probably eight, I was probably quite late to be fair. I was probably nine when I actually sort of started Think you know, the types of movements you'd have as a player and then started playing for the school team um in year like three and four as it as it was back then. Um which oh what is it now? It's eight, nine years of age, I think. Year f- right, yeah, year five. You were eleven. So yeah, I got into the school team and then um, got into Desai Primary Schools, which was like the biggest, uh, the biggest moment of your life, uh, and still is. So, you know, it was that team that um, all of the Gary Speed had played for, and um, Neville Southall, Ian Rush, you know, Kevin Ratcliffe, all of those players had come through their school and been selected for Desai Primary Schools. Yeah. Yeah, in a hotbed at that time. Yeah. yeah. Hotbed of time. Yeah. Ron Bishop and Bryn Jones used to run the teams there. So this was 1980, 82, yeah. Um, And then you start playing, you're still playing club football and and that while you're you're a young youth player, you know, 12, 13, sort of playing representative football. And then I went to the club down the road. I can't repeat the name, sorry. Oh, we don't want Uh, to hear about them. Close to us, but in Wales. Condo's keynote match, you mean, yeah? In Wales, but in Chester, yeah, kind of okay. in Um Yes, yeah, so, so I went there, and that, that was Cliff, to be fair, had signed me as a schoolboy yeah. for Chester. I'd probably been about, I'd have been maybe 13. So I spent mm-hmm. a few years there uh, under Cliff. Um, oh. And then, obviously, what happened to Cliff um, was so fortuitous that it saw me move from Chester to, to Wrexham. Um, yeah. Signed schoolboy forms at probably 15 then. But my old school teacher as well, he's not with us anymore, Wynn Jones, God bless him. Um, he was a scout for Wrexham as well as Aston Villa and one or two others. Hmm. So he took me up in 1984, right? I think it was 84, so like 85. And I met Dixie in the change rooms. Hmm. I met Mel Sutton, Wayne Sigelski, probably Mickey might have been there as well. It might have gone. But I met all the first team. I, you know, I, I, Oh my God, like I've still got, you know, I've still got the, the signatures in an old scrapbook. Um I got a couple of programmes and that, you know. Yeah, it was Mel, I'm sure it was Mel Sutton was in was in charge at the time, maybe wrong. And my first shirt as well. I had so I had the Liverpool Crown Paint shirt, right? The let the yellow with the red pinstripes. Do you remember it? Crown paint. Yeah, yeah. I can
3: remember sort of rushing in that. Yeah. The milk yeah. cup. They always seem to win the milk cup in that.
4: That's right, yeah, yeah. So that was the first sort of one of my first shirts. But in there, unbelievably and ironically, I ended up swapping it for a rectum shirt so wow. the, the long sleeve you know, yeah that the happens the, now apparently the Rexham shirt um, oh that the uh, mid 80s um, right I think yeah so the Rexham badge Trefoil this badge three stripes but the long sleeve version might have been a bit later than that I'm not 100% sure but I, I, I swapped it and it's crazy isn't it yeah you know within 15 years I'm playing for Rexham 10 years mm-hmm. sorry but yeah um, so moved from Chester to Rexham and signed Schoolboys and then was fortunate enough to be offered YT forms as well. Um, just looking at that, looking at the players that
3: you were coming through with, you know, we've mentioned a lot of them already: Steve Watkins, Phil Hardy, Wayne Phillips, Lee Jones, Jimmy <laughs> Kelly. Did you did you even then think, wow, this is a good this is a good group here? And did and was there any rhyme and reason to that? Was that just luck, or had they put building blocks in in place that they were getting the best youngsters
4: from the area together? Yeah. Um, I've got to pay tribute to Cliff. There, he, he was somebody that, like Flinney and like Kev, was just one of these blokes that you'd run through brick walls for. And once he asked me to come to Wrexham and have a look round, do you know what Wrexham felt like home? That's how I'd probably describe it at the time when I signed. Um, and he made it feel like that, and the people that were in the club did at the time, uh, and probably everyone that, that signed um, after after myself, you know, were probably in a and before we probably in a similar boat. It just felt like home. Um, but pay tribute to Cliff, Mike Buxton at the time, Idris Price, Brian Prandle, those types of people were out and about watching so many games, you know, and, and spreading themselves so thinly across the North West, not just North Wales, but the North West as well, because we had so many players come from, you know, Runcorn, Liverpool, um, Cheshire, Manchester, uh, and from afar. And I wasn't talking to, to Aussie, did they, Steve Thomas? Steve Aussie Thomas? Um, how he signed. So Mark Taylor, I think, was already with us. Um, Steve Thomas was due to go to Man City on trial, but Mark Taylor just just said, Look, come down to Rexham and train before you go on trial because it was pre season sort of thing. Ozzy ended up signing for Rexham. Yeah, so he was from to... the northeast
3: as well, wasn't he? Yeah. He's from, from
4: Newcastle, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. O- ta- over, you know, northeast up that way. I'm not sure whether he's Newcastle or not, but it was, a, yeah, to some that, to some, or to answer the question, the people that, that were, that network of scouts worked so hard and, and were people that you, you just felt at home with. You know, I remember going to France with Eddie, uh, Idris Price, BP, and Dixie took us actually on it, like a youth trip. I missed the math, my maths exam in school because of it. Uh, yeah, I missed my GCSE, but we went to, went to France, my first time abroad, you know, coach trip down to the south coast on a ferry across, and, and then we were only there two hours, and the, the where we were staying was was really wasn't great, so Dixie <laughs> Dixie just said hey, we're all, we're on our way back home. We're going. <laughs> and that was it. we were back on the bus and we were we were home. But it was so good to spend like two full days, nearly three days, with a group of young players that you, we got to know each other over that period. Um, Sounds like Dixie just took you on a booze cruise. <laughs> i probably so, the back of the, the the back of the
3: the coach is full of. <laughs> Oh, I
2: didn't just, just possessed then. It was such a good impression. Very, very good.
4: <laughs> it was my induction into boot be, boot beer. Be, I think with so Mark Morris was on that trip. Um, Mark Wrench. I don't know whether you remember Mark Wrench. Um, so yeah, lads that were sort of on the fringe of the first thing, but you know, it, obviously, young younger boys then, and um, myself and a good mate of mine, Paul Barker, who signed um, YTS forms with Paul. Um, yeah, he was. He sort of made that trip as well, but. Yeah, we, we. as I said, I won't go on it. You, you've probably heard the answer there. Yeah, very, very good people around that were um, working really hard to bring the best players in the north-west to the club.
0: We
2: always ask for a, a kind of a fearless moment on these podcasts where we, we ask all our guests to come on. For for a particular time where they they felt the greatest sense of pride playing for the club, whether it's whether it was signing forms, whether it was a particular goal, whether it was a particular game, you know, e- even the testimonial, which I'm, I'm going to come to, come on to in a bit. But is there anything that 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 you can pinpoint? You go, you know what?
4: It's it's that moment. Ah, oh, there's, there's too many. I suppose. Tim, um, your debut, obviously, I'll, I'll never forget. Dixie, actually, uh, Port Mardyck. You know, the first time I actually walked on the f- pitch for the first team, Port away we were four-one up. And I think I came on for the last ten minutes and, and loved every second of it. Um, the immediate ones, yeah, I can't, I can't explain really how it, what it's like walking out of the race course with so many people there uh, at, at my testimonial. It was just, you know, mind blowing. I still can't get over the fact there was. You that kind of thing happens in life you know Man, 13, Man United
2: 13,000 Manchester United yeah do yeah. you remember the team because I, I can just about remember most of the but you,
3: you know I was there but I can't remember I can't remember any of the teams I, I take a- it you played guys
4: yeah do you, do you know what I, I look back as well and I would have you might you might kick me for saying this, but I'd love to have just pulled the United shirt on for ten minutes at the end of the game. <laughs> Wish I'd have thought of that on the day just to have said I played for Man United. Um, <laughs> but it was like a, yeah, second string one. I think Giggs and Giggs and was it Andy Cole played, I think, as well. Um Van der Van Der was van der goal. Yeah. I'm sure
2: Van Nistro was there, wasn't he? I think convinced or I, don't
3: know. I think it was a, just a little bit before Van der because I think Van der and Veron signed a couple of years later, and I think that was for Kevin uh, Kevin right. Bry's testimonial.
4: Yeah, um, yeah, but walk, walking out there trying to, I'd, I'd have shaken every single person's hand that came if I could have on the night. I'd probably still be there, but that's how I felt about that massive, massive, I suppose, proud moment personally for the for the actual team and and, and club. Obviously, the art, the Arsenal game and promotion were the that that scene at Northampton that will stick with me until my last breath. Yeah, being lifted up by the crowd and um, never forget seeing Benno coming in with just like I think Flinney had started the team talk and it had gone on for a while and and then the door burst open and he stood there in, in like just his right sock and his and his pants, everything else <laughs> and gone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, it was
3: that 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 whole thing at the end was just mental. I, as I, I think I've said it on this pod before, I got Carl Connolly's left sock, and then some big fella took it off me. But you know, it's not like I'm scared
4: by that at all. You know what? The goal of the, being goal at Burnley as well sticks in my mind. That was a proud moment because like flying pig, completely different. Yeah, yeah, we we talked about it say, many a time. That was something completely different, and, and I'll never forget. You know, coming up, walking from the halfway line to the tunnel and I've seen all the Wrexham fans behind the goal and I've been down the far end being birated by one of their fans <laughs> every two minutes, I'm going to get you fatty. That's all he was saying. <laughs> I was quite slim there huh, as a player, but yeah, I'm going to get you fatty. Every two minutes, so all through the second half, one of their home fans like down the far end. But um that was a proud moment as well. Yeah.
2: I mean, that, that, we, we've documented that story on uh, in, in print a few times, but I, I, just, I just love I love that story of you going in goal. Um, just put a bit of context around it for those who might not be aware of it. And, and I particularly want you to tell us, I'm sure you can remember this, um, A, why, how you ended up in goal because of the injury and so on and so forth, and then B, um, when you came for a ball, I think you might have missed it, and then Brian Carey gave you some words of advice. Then you came and you caught a corner, and then yeah. the words he mouthed to you. So I'll let you tell that story. If you need any prompts, let me know.
4: <laughs> I'm not allowed to swear. I better not swear that day, anyway. But um, I'll, I'll pay it for you in a minute. It'll be fine. You'll get to know what the words were. Yeah. So the context, I suppose, it was. We so we were. Um. We were one nil down, I think, and didn't Neil equalise to make it one each? year. and then Glenn Little of all people, I think, slid in with Mark. Um, it happens in football, doesn't it? But Mark Mark's ended up with a gash down his thigh, and yeah, he, he had to go off. So we're all looking around each other at each other as players, aren't you? You're yeah. like, looking oh, I, I ain't going in. Well, I, I'm not going in. I, I just, went, I'll do it because it was always something I enjoyed as a kid. That you know, you, it, it's strange with these smaller players. Jay Harris is another one, by all accounts, that likes to go in goal. And um, as smaller players, yeah, you're the, you're the last person to, for people to, to... In fact, I remember, but, and Barry Jones might have even gone, you're fucking having a laugh, like, because you... I was 5'8", you know, went through, and Mark Mark Cartwright's goalkeeper's top was was huge, his gloves were huge, I like Kenny Everett in goal. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the, the so I've put the top on anyway and gone in, and, you know, you're standing in goal, and... I, and you you're trying to get into the mode of being a keeper, and that no one can prepare you for that unless you've you know you've trained and what have you. So you try and act out that role as best as you possibly can. Um, and I thought for the first couple of minutes, I think mean, it was just a few through balls or back passes. Obviously you're comfortable with your feet and then they had a free kick on the um, on the on their left, our right and it's got whipped in, right? And I can hear their centre-forward saying, put it under the bar, put it under the bar, and then they're going to smash me, you know, or whatever. So I've, I've made what I thought was a half-decent catch, caught it under the bar, and stepped back over the line, right? So if I'd have carried the ball into the net with me, it's goal, but I sort of held the ball out in front of me a good, you know, as long as my arms are, and they, it wasn't over the line, and they, they, I'm saying it was, no way was it over the line, but... um. You know that those kind of things happen for the whole of the half. So we've gone in at half time. Um, you know, we're still in it one each change ends, I get go down the far end, which is their home crowd. You know, as you're walking down, you can almost feel the heat coming off them and what some of the things you're getting thrown at you. But um, yeah, again, the whole of the second half, I think we were quite comfortable. We had such a good back four and they were so organized, and it was it was um it was easier, it made my job easier as keeper. But yeah, these moments you're talking about, Tim. They've gone down the right hand side. I think, um, I think they've gone past Phil. Uh, no, no one ever got past Phil Hardy. Um, It must have been somebody else. But they crossed it from the right, and it's coming to the six yard box. And it's gone, and I've gone to take it with my hands. It's gone through me, or no? I didn't tell you why. I stayed on the line, and Brian Carey's gone. Fucking hell, guys, come on! You've got to come for them. And I'm like, Brian. <laughs> I'm stood there. You can imagine I look like Martin McFly because these these arm lengths with they're touching me. Mark's keeper's top was touching my ankles. These gloves were massive. The top was huge. You just looked like, like I looked like I was lost. Anyway, this ball's gone straight through, and and the same thing happened two minutes later. And I've come for it. And this this the first one was across the deck, across the floor. This one coming up well above head height. So I've come for it. Shouted keepers caught it, and Brian's gone. That's fucking better, guys. That's what we need. So um, he was happier with that one. And then it's just like those moments when you're trying to distribute the ball and so you've got, you know, the edge of the 18-yard box. What I'd seen keepers do is, so kicking out your hands, you can throw the ball in the air and it's landing, it's not landing, but it's going over the line, over the 18-yard line. And I can hear their fans kicking off because they're saying he's out of his area, but as long as you release the ball out of your hands, you're all right. So I'm kicking it as long as I can and um, all those things you've sort of seen keepers do, but I just, I, as I said, we were so comfortable that a lot of the through balls were marshalled that well by the players in front of us. It was a touch of my feet and distribution, so didn't really have a lot to do with my hands. The one instance that does stick in my mind again, they've gone down the right. It's it's been whizzed across the six yard box, and I've just dived. I haven't even gone on my side or anything. I've just dived onto it, closed my eyes, <laughs> looked up, the ball's in my hands. And, and all their players are like I can't believe he's caught it. Sort of because I must have just looked. I must have just closed my eyes as the ball sort of came into my hands. Anyway, I've, it's in my hands, and again, I'm yeah. And Brian Carey was still on my back, even though I caught it. Um, but yeah, and then Mark Wilson, I think, when and scored the winner, didn't he? Yeah, he, was loan, he was on loan. He was on with us at the time. So um, you're just trying to ride the game out then. You know, certainly from my my view from where I was, literally on the day, I could see us doing all right. You know, the last 20 minutes, we're keeping the ball well, and lo and behold, the whistle went, and we'd won 2-1. And there wow. were always big crowds there on the day, and, yeah, what a, you know, what a moment walking towards the Rector fans. Just to make us feel old,
2: um, that will be 24 years next month, February the 12th. Oh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. wow, is it? Probably the last time we played him, I think, Burnley. Um, probably yeah, yeah. I
4: look- yeah, it was... Um, yeah. Look at their journey in comparison. To uh, it, it,
2: it, was, it was our last victory there. I think we, we, got, we got hammered 5-0 in, in 1999, but it's, it was our last it's our last ever victory. <sighs> all,
4: so there you go. Do you know what? One of the funniest things I've ever seen in football happened there, the um, full house there, they'd gone up. So there's twenty two, twenty three thousand there. I wasn't talking about this the other day. So their crowd in the last 10 minutes was, was lined all the way around the pitch. I don't know whether you were both there, maybe. Do you remember the game? I'm not sure. I th- what, Mid, mid-90s at some
2: point. I think I, um, I remember being told about it. I don't think I was at that one. I think
4: that was just- so, uh, <coughs> John Paskin, this was about, he's, he's got the ball off Phil Hardy. So you can picture the scene now, as I said, they were probably five, six, seven deep on the side of the pitch, which meant the linesmen were actually on the pitch like for the last 10 minutes of the game. Yeah. Um John Paskins going has got a ball from Phil on the left hand side. Now I'm watching this just as he crossed the halfway line. He's getting into full flow now. Paskin, he's quite quick when he was a quick player.
2: Yeah.
4: Um, so he's taking this touch and got his head down. He's in full flow. And and one of the fans just sticks a leg out, right? <laughs> Pass goes up. John Paskin goes absolutely flying. You can imagine the balls rolled through to their right back, who's taking comfortable, even their right back was laughing. But um, what could the ref do about it? I think the ref came over and just pushed the, the fans a little bit further back off the pitch and t- took a drop throw. But um seeing a fan taking out one of your own players, <laughs> you can imagine the whole place was it was an uproar when it happened. And then oh, we had a corner then in the last five minutes, I've I've had to go into the f- fan to take a corner. And like, you know, you're pinching your back, you know, <laughs> pinching your. Pulling your shirt, all kinds, you know, as you're taking a corner, or, or rubbing it, away, you know, just as you're taking it. Um, but yeah, as as bizarre as it was, I remember. Um, uh, it was, I think I scored the, the winner myself. Believe it or not, I think it was two one, and we, I and I'd scored. I got a bit of stick coming off, but yeah, the whistle was gone, and we and as you can imagine, at, at Burnley, it was um, it was pandemonium there.
2: Nineteen ninety two, that
4: one. No, you know. Yeah, great, but yeah, we were always we always seemed to do okay there. It was just it was a, it wasn't a bad place for us to go.
3: Gaz, you've gone through some of the sort of stranger games, and you've 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 three hundred games for Exum. Um, when we had Mickey on this, he uh, he said it, he said his words were, "It's a crime that you didn't play higher." Um, I'm just wondering if do you think there was any particular reason why why that. Happened? Do you think you stayed at Wrexham too long, or you know, is there any any reason why you didn't
4: go and play Championship or even higher? Uh, probably a, a culmination of things, really. I think, yeah, I, uh, Mickey said that before, and he's, he's actually said it to myself. You know, it's not something that that he um, said that he hasn't sort of said to me, sort of thing. Um, I'd probably say consistency. You know, was was something I probably lacked as a as a player. Um, a very i look back at myself and think yeah very off off the cuff player as well you know r- really in the moment i never used to think about games a lot until i was on the, on the actual line over the crossing the line and and getting warmed up and um I wasn't great in you know watching analysis and that kind of things and training was was probably even though it was geared towards a saturday i'd just go in and train and work work, work hard everything was 100 100 miles an hour and 100% so yeah, I'd probably say just the lack of consistency, you know, week in week out, is probably something that that managers are looking for at a higher level. Um, you know, we, there's there's times like you've spoken about the pass at, at West Ham, and I look back at the, some of the footage and you, th- and you think, should I have pushed myself a little bit more? It wasn't for the lack of trying because the amount of times I'd stay. After training and, and do stuff on my own or with another player or two or three others or whatever, it, it was never that lack of, you know, effort. And I think you both know enough about me as a, a person. It was, it was, it was always hundred percent, no less. Uh, that's probably a, a big, um, um, you know, big attribute attribute to have. The love of the club, I probably say, was something that held me back a little bit. I wanted to do it with Wrexham. I wanted yeah. to go and get promotion again with with Wrexham and, and playing. You know, what is the championship now with with them? Um, uh, It just never happened. And sometimes it doesn't. I think I've got no regrets. I I loved every second of my time at the club. Um, And every player you speak to says the same thing. Um, As I said, when I first signed there, it felt like home and and still does. Uh, You probably both know that. I think we've been to, me and Gemma have been to 20 games a season, probably now. You know, all the games have been away about six times. So um I'm I'm a Wrexham fan now. We've so we've got Chester out with you, thank God
3: for that.
2: <laughs> aligned, aligned to that um that sort of you know, you know whatever, for whatever reason that door didn't open to sort of go higher earlier or whatever. In terms of the international scene, obviously you represented a certain level for Wales, but you were called up, I think ninety eight. But never made your sort of first team debut. Yeah. Just tell us a bit around that. Who was it that called you up? Who was in the squad in around the time?
4: It was Bobby Gold actually. That had, oh, okay. yeah, Bobby Gold had called me into the squad or or into a camp at the time. That was his his idea was to go around Wales and play against um, Welsh Premier teams, you know, conical League teams as it was back then. So this was a game at at Real. So he had. 24, maybe 26 in the squad, and we were due to go out to Holland to play in the World Cup qualifier. Um, so we played all the names first half. The um the younger players and, and the less than one players, should have said, you know, they came on second half. We were we played in like Wales Wales Beat games together as well. There was a Wales B back then, believe it or not, and a 21s. So we we all knew each other well, and uh, cut a long story short, yeah. I, I, I went to close it was Tony Lee, it was Togger, who, who was at Wrexham in his younger years. He was playing for real on the day. I went to close him down in midfield, went over the top of him, and I landed on my face. You know, when you see a keeper catch a ball and a defender bends over and the keeper goes over the top of him, it, it must have looked like that from the outside. So I, I bent my neck back and carried on the game and, uh, and felt okay. You know, I just got through on adrenaline, I suppose. You, you know, you're playing for what, what was Wales in a friendly. And then came off the pitch, and and yeah, my neck started to stiffen up, and I ended up chiropractor for two weeks. It was a real serious neck injury. I was in a brace for ten days, probably a neck brace, and yeah, I was out for three weeks. So missed the camp, unfortunately, and Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was the only only sort of appearance for the the actual first team was that second half at Real, but. um, it, it doesn't sound so good when you actually say, well, Bobby Gold brought himself on for the last 10 minutes as well. <laughs> that sort of killed it, killed it dead in the war. He was still playing at the time. He must have been our 58, but brought himself... Brought I mean, himself just
3: on. when you think you haven't heard anything more from, from that era, <laughs> there becomes another another gem. Yeah. I, just going back, just just to sort of the last thing, I, mean, I always thought that your style could have maybe lent itself better the higher up you went. And what I mean by that is uh, often when you go higher, maybe it isn't as a hundred miles an hour when you can sort of caress a pass or or think about what you're doing. I always thought it was a shame that you you didn't get there because I thought you could have, you know, you, you, you could have shone there, but you know.
4: No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that Andy. And I appreciate Mickey's words as well. And anybody looks at it like that. And as I said, it just never happened. It's, it's, um, you know, the, the path I've taken in life could have been very, very different and I wouldn't change a thing. You know, I'm very lucky in, in the, the job I've got at the moment and, um you know, I probably would have never worked for the FEW like I do and might have been living in a different part of the country and the wife's just walked in as well, so I would have never <laughs>
3: We always do a quick fire five questions. So, yeah. just off the top of your head, during your time at Wrexham, who is the most skillful? Lee Trundle. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, fun. yeah. Him or him or Joseph. Yeah, absolutely.
4: Uh, they they l- tend to split it. Literally, Lee Trundle. I was watching a video only half an hour ago of Lee Trundle. I saw it. It's in my mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah but wow, what, 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 am... Um, so we we played really good at against us in a friendly um, he was after him straight away wasn't he Kev Dearden yeah. was all I think but yeah Lee, Lee scored least Trundle scored two of the best hat tricks I've ever seen live one was for Wrexham and the other one was for Real against us yeah was he able on the Oxford one yes I think with Oxford yeah, yeah Homer, two chips and a, and a, yeah. a ridiculous finish from uh, from something I think an over and a kick even something like that but yeah what, what a player to, to see live right who was the worst dressed? Andy Marriott.
3: Even though he had all this free gear that he never gave to anyone. So he was a minge,
4: right? So he had all this money. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't paid, oh, hey, don't you know, no, There's no make no bones, about He wasn't paid while he was at Wrexham. But yeah. Mingy Marriott. <laughs> he turned up once like, in um, like a. <laughs> Rupert put the bear? Top. So, you know the 90s top he had? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. That was probably the best bit of gear that he had, because it was just... Oh, my just... God, that was horrible.
2: What <laughs> <laughs> having a bad <laughs> On a Wind what? your neck in Gilpin. I've got that stuff, <laughs> and it is king. <laughs> you had it on against Marine away when I bumped into yeah. you. I will, I'm not having anybody say bad words.
4: Yeah, so that, that that was probably the best bit of gear that he had, because, yeah, he came in once with, like, a Rupert the Bear um, waistcoat on underneath his grey suit, and, uh, yeah, got slaughtered for that, and... Oh, um, we, we need him on. We need
3: him on. He needs to answer this this criticism. Yeah. Um, who was the biggest moaner?
4: <clears throat> Good question. Um. <sighs> Tougher than that, you know. Beno used to be long. But yeah, but and and that would be probably if you're taking a shot and not giving the ball, you know, on a Saturday right, yeah, yeah. in training. Um. Rooster used to like a bit of a moan as well. I'd have to mention Kev there. Uh, um, but all it is, we're all in good jest, Kevs, to be fair. He'd always keep you on your toes as well with stuff. And Kev, Kev some of the gear that he used to buy, he, he'd spend fortunes on stuff, you know, But and it was like Gucci or, or um, you know, and um, Mos- Moschino was in at the time, I think, as well. But yeah. it was all like, you know, a, a black T-shirt with that with diamonds, with Moschino written in diamonds, you know, something like that. And you come in and... and Jesus, what's that you've got on but, um, he would Sounds all... like he's got it from the beast market. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I was going to call my market for my gear at the time, so I can't talk. Right, who is the most
3: underrated?
4: <sighs> Barry Jones. Yeah? Oh, that's a really good shout. Barry Jones, Absolutely. yeah. And I, I'd probably say, you know what, it seems to be a theme with our right backs, because Andy Thackeray was, was really underrated, and so was Mark McGregor. Yeah. You know what?
3: Watching back these just because it's round about the time you know anniversary arsenal, watching
4: back those games, Bakary is involved in everything, isn't he? Oh it's crazy, mate. Yeah, he was the he was the fittest, one of the fittest players I've known. One of the most level headed, um, but one of the most effective without without screaming about it. Mm. So it was just a, yeah. a genuine bloke that that was a hundred and ten percent into everything. Um and a dedicated, dedicated professional footballer. What an example as a person. Yeah. Finally, for this bit, who was the hardest? Jimmy Case. Oh, yeah.
3: Jimmy.
4: Oh, I mean, again, I mean, it's all... Yeah, and he, signed for, yeah. Uh, he only signed for a short time, didn't he? But um, we played against... It must have been Barry. I think he was playing it, for before we
2: Barry, signed very way, it was snowing. Yeah, because he just signed and he, he signed and that was his his debut for us, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, we, So so mean I think the so Wayne will have will tell you Rushy. You, we picked him up at a corner, and you know how you do a corner, you'd always feel for the players, like and he's got he's pulled sort of Jimmy Casey's shirt, and Jimmy Casey's just gone, don't touch me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so Wayne and Wayne's just dead one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think he wore a here and age, you know, later on in his career as well. Um, Jimmy Case did when he came to Wrexham, yeah, I'm sure he did, you know, and he didn't miss a thing, you know,
1: where
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was almost selective hearing at the time, you know, he'd in the change room, and he, Jimmy would sort of just ignore you, ignore you, ignore you, and then he'd go, I heard that, mate. <laughs> 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 he was least listening, yeah, but yeah, he, legend, like obviously Liverpool legend, and um. Yeah, somebody and obviously Joey was up there as well. I can't go mentioning our players without mentioning Joey. Wow, you know what? Um, what a man to have on your side as well. And I'm fortunate enough to have played with him. You know, in them them early years, um, late '80s, early '90s, before he finished. Um, yeah, one of these blokes that that other players would stay away from, or one of these where you'd get into a ruck with somebody. Um, somebody I I think it was. uh, I think it's Rob Clark, is it? You know one of these Rex image archive things on Facebook? Yeah, yeah. Popped up, it was my debut, it was. And there was a Blackpool player, uh, his name escapes me now, big thick tash, hard as nails, like I didn't know on the day, did I? So I've probably gone into tackles with him. But there was so many hard players around at, at the time, I'm talking proper, real, you know, proper men that, that you just still didn't mess with. Sean Reed sticks in my mind as well as a player You would, you know, playing against, you know, that type of player. But yeah, to answer the question, yeah, Joey's up there, but certainly Jimmy Case as well. No, fair enough. Classic,
3: classic hard man, Jimmy Case. So, so, Gaz, just sort of take us through what what, what you're doing now. So, um, you know, after you finished, you had a spell in management with Rill. um, And then were you a football development officer at Flintshire? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, so what you're doing now? I know you're doing the 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 wrecks uh, and women's under nineteens as well, aren't you?
4: Yeah. So the the day job, I suppose. Like, coming out of football is always, is always tough, obviously, for any any player. And uh, coming out, I, I took a job on um, as an MVQ assessor whilst learning to assess at the same time. So, like, you go through your your A one as it was called, an assessors award, an MVQ assessor's award, and a. A V1, which is a verification award. So got into that assessing it quite uh, straight out of football. Very fortunate to work, and um, straight away pretty much for a company called Soccer Skills Community Coaching Scheme. And um, whilst working for them, I was yeah still playing f- for the Nomads, and and that was my first real I suppose coaching job I was with the club or, or with their under elevens um, under Steve Weaver at the time I was Centre excellence Manager. So yeah, sort of working different things and carried on playing and. Yeah, the FDO job came up then, the football development job came up for Flintshire County in 2008, so I went for the job and it was Cledwin Ashford actually pushed me to go for it. Cledwin's obviously been heavily involved in boys football and ex-head teacher Bryn Cork and still with the club now, so he pushed me to go for the job. I I fortunately got it and I've been with the the Trust since then, 2008, So, so 13 years now, but sort of under the FAW um, a lot as well with the the coach education side of things, they always found they had a passion for coach education. So the football development's job was sort of more more around, you know, player development, coach education, um, disability football, female football, futsal, you know, all, everything, all encompassing. So you'd go in, you know, around the county and sort of work in schools and so on and so forth. But the passion for coach education came quite quickly and, yeah, um various roles then with the trust club development office for North West Wales, believe it or not, so I was traveling down oh, to wow. Anglesey a lot. <coughs> Excuse me. But then the the role we, we moved to um uh, a, well what was more a more dedicated coach education department, should I say then? Um we prior to this in 2015, we were all like player development and coach ed, So you'd work with the regional boys and girls um and do a bit of both. But then took a coach education job in two thousand fifteen, which was like a national B license managers job, which I'm still in now. I've been doing it for right. seven years yeah um fortunate enough to, as well to work on sort of our a license course and, and pro license course well not so much on the pro but um you know so lucky to have seen a conveyor belt of of big names come through you know big high profile names come through our, our coach education courses um. Yeah. From, the envy of the, it's envy of a lot of, of a lot of the uh football nations, isn't it? The Welsh uh, the Welsh setup. Yeah, it's it's brilliant to hear that, you know. And and Osham Roberts probably, you know, led all that. There's no no doubt in anyone's mind. Osham was a was a big instigator and in, in a in a way in, in a way that we do things within Wales. Carl Darlington's my my line manager and has been for the last six or seven years. Now you probably both know Carl well and um, other other people that are involved at that that sort of level. Dave Adams now our new technical director. Um, uh, Gavin Chesterfield that that sort of works for is Barry Town's manager, but is a lecturer with USW works for us as well. So many good people um, over the years that have been responsible for developing the pro license, the A license, the B license, and yeah, we're a very close knit team, should we say? Um, We've got more co- more coaches than ever coming through level one and two. So, naturally, level three, the B licence has grown. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's a passion. It's like yeah. football, I suppose, very, very lucky to be involved in football. And, um, yeah, it's very lucky to get up every day and knowing you're hopefully going to make a difference towards football. Guess last thing from me. and I, we, we
3: sort of mentioned that, you know, you're a Wrexham fan. How do you think? what do you think this team can do this season? Do you think we're we're lacking in areas? Do you think we need to get the checkbook out in in January? But, you know, if we do, do you think we've got a chance?
4: If we get this window right, yeah, I think even before getting this window right, I think we'd have been up there, um, there or thereabouts anyway. If we get this window right, I'm quietly confident we'll we'll certainly make the playoffs. Um, We've beaten teams around us, I think. Um, and taking points off, off teams, I know Notts County wasn't great recently, but probably one of the best performances I've seen all season was against them. The first game of the season, um, one that was on yeah, it was on um, it was on BT Sport, wasn't it? But it, you know what an occasion there! That first game with a full house for so long and proper football. You know what what it felt like proper league football against a, another big club as well. You know what a, what a great ground that is as well, Notts County. Um, but yeah, if we get this game go right, I think we've got to strengthen, um I think we're crying out for sort of a creative midfielder, you know, a sort a, of a, a, a player that's going to do off, completely off-the-cuff things. And these players are really tough to to come across. A, Lee, Trundle, you know, they don't come along every five minutes. Do they? But somebody that will up opposition defences. I think we've got players that, that can do it. Jordan does it, you know, regularly. Jordan Davis and... Um, Dan Jarvis I like when he when he's on form and Devontae had shown early promise of that as well, of doing those things that no one else sees on a pitch, but you've yeah. got players around that as well that allow that to happen, that allow a number 10 or two number 10s, you know, w- without Gary Bennett peeling off and making those runs and making your mind up, you don't thread the ball through to them. Sometimes without a midfielder clipping the ball over a back four for someone to run onto, that, that doesn't happen. So the, the thing is with um, with a team, if you try and get them thinking on the, the same level playing field, you know, and understanding that Lee Jones knew that I could ping a ball. I knew he was quick. So he made the run. He made the run. Yeah. So yeah. I knew he was quick. I knew he'd get on the end of it. Um, yeah. So all these little relationships, you know, that you build up over the years. So if he gets the window right and gets the right sort of midfielders in, and gets some support up front, I think Jake's been injured quite a bit, hasn't he? Now we've looked. Yeah. Him. I quite like Jake Hyde, to be fair, and we missed him Um because they, they season they look like the next best thing. The two of them working together. He seems to favour this three-five-two. Um, I think it's important to go into every game and. Be able to adapt, maybe within that three-five-two, or you know, have different systems to employ that that exploit the weaknesses of, of the, the opposition. Yeah, um, no, we, I agree. In this building blocks of this three-five-two, he's stuck with, and you know that, that's fine. It's it's sort of something you you live by the sword or die by the sword as a coach. Um, I think we've got good pace in, in wide areas. Me, personally, I, I like wing play. I, in my own ideal of, of how I see the game play or game model, I like wide players. I like wide players that are good in 1v1s, that get crosses in the box, I like people arriving in the box, um, which, obviously, with the, the system we have, if we're under pressure, you end up in a 5-3-2 for most of the game. Yeah. What he likes to, What Phil likes to do is get the ball out to... You know our wing backs and get them higher up the pitch and get crosses in in that way, um, but then you get exploited down the outside of your of your back three. Obviously, the space for the opposition. If if we go, you know, and get our two wing backs high, the space is down the the outside of your own back three on transition. So, um, you know, it's 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 tough. It really, I, you know I don't envy any manager at the, at the level. It's a really tough league. It's got tougher and tougher over the years, um, and we've seen. You know, clubs go up and get promoted and, and quite rightly stay up. And more and more clubs come down, like ourselves, you know, over the years, yeah. come down and gone back up, arguably. But, um, yeah, it's a real tough league. But, um, yeah, I'm hoping he's going to get it right for, for all of our sakes. And now we look back at the end of the season and think back to this chat and go, what were we on about? <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and Phil we trust, yeah. Phil we trust,
4: yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think the only thing from me is um, I'm going to make my early pitch to get you on again, um, either later this year or next year because I think it'll be what will it be? It'll be it'll be 30 years since the 92 93 promotion season, I think, by my reckoning. Jesus. Yeah, I know, crazy. Jeez. So we we'll have still to, haven't
3: got that sock.
2: We'll have to pick the bones out of that one. Um, but yeah, just for me, I know we we've, we've we've dusted our way through a couple of obvious games um, to sort of pull some memories from. Are there any other particular ones that stand in your mind and also
4: what was the, the, your, your, the most favourite goal you scored for Wrexham? Um, I haven't spoken about I suppose my debut yet was I mean apart from the Port Portmadic game away um, it was a transition and obviously the club let Dixie go and decided to go down a different route with, with Brian and I think Brian, um, you know, had a real belief in youth. I think he showed that over the years. So he, he blooded myself and, and many many others. So that that home game against Blackpool and the LDV, I think with just over a thousand there, well, obviously that that will be with me to me to me dying day as well. And I can't tell you how proud I was going out there. And and you know what, it, it was just like I look back at that, and it was me playing with my mates on the school field back in, back in, you know on, on the field of golfing primary school. And that's how how he sort of allowed you to to play within that team. If he'd have given me any instructions or, you know, any kind of tactical information on the night, you know, I'd have probably been a lot stifled and a lot you probably wouldn't have seen, you know, the way I played because he just said, look, go out and enjoy yourself. Go out and play. And because we have good players around us as well, you know, I think Jeff Hunter, I played in midfield on the day. He'd let me go forward. and You just sit in. You know, Jeff was your insurance in there, and so many times where Jeff would break play up and get the ball into you. And my thought was then to be sort of beyond the opposition midfield, so you're in attacking. You know, in attacking um, mode as such, you, you're getting the ball in, and going at their back four. And um, Graham Cooper, I think, was fantastic on the night as well. He, he had a decent game. So, um, yeah, that that game sticks sticks with me, I suppose, in terms of. Um, in terms of proud moments again. And what was the second part of the question, Tim? Favourite goal you haven't scored, yeah. Favourite goal. Yeah. Yeah, it popped up, do you know what? It popped up recently again on social media. I don't know how these... It's brilliant social media, isn't it, for this reminiscing. It was a Swansea free kick sticks in my mind. Just for the, sure, the pure um, audacity, I suppose. I was trying to, trying to think you can score. from. It, I, I think my run-up was only a yard off the centre circle. So it must have been 40 yards out, fully 40 yards out, but we were 3-1 up and you think, you know, why not? And Roger Freestone, who I sort of knew a little bit, um, yeah. just didn't expect it, I don't think, on the day, you know. It, um, similarly, another free kick sticks in my mind is, is that, that one over the border with our friends. Um, we were 1-0 down and, and that was an equaliser. I think and fans going mad at Chester away yeah. to make it one each. <clears throat> Excuse me, yeah, that sticks in the mind. Um, and then the, the cup final, I think it would have been FAW Premier Cup final at home against Cardiff. And they came on a sub, I think, and scored in the, literally the last seconds of the game. I think Mark, Mark Wilson was still with us at the time and had scored pure in the game to make it one each, if I'm right. Extra time came on literally five minutes to go with 13, number 13 on me back. And um, yeah, popped up at the far post with, with a winner. Um, there was a, one one last sort of one that sticks in my mind because this was, um, in fact, two stick in my mind. One another one's popped in because it was on social media. Do you remember Neil Wainwright's debut, Blackpool Away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You come, you come off uh,
0: yeah.
4: Horrendous night, absolutely yeah. bouncing down one, yeah. one nil down, and, and a ball came to me on the edge of the box. And you know, when you just I absolutely smashed it. And it's deflected and it's coming off the bar and, and bounced down quick. You know, them kind of goals used to love scoring. <clears throat> I think it was the other sort of similar one was Chesterfield home hammering down. we would I'm sure we were down to ten men, something like that, and it was two one. Then we equalised, make it two each. And you're like, oh my god, we got we got a point, you know, Chesterfield at home or Colchester at home. Um, I got I got it about 30 yards out. Maybe again thought, Do you know what? Why not in front of the cop? And it's hit the you know one of them. Where I struck through it. it's hit the bar and come down. And then the ball's gone back up and all the rains come off it. And so then types of goals yeah stick with you in your mind. And um, but yeah, wasn't really renowned as a goal scorer I think it might have been sort of one in one in ten in the end, something like that. But uh, yeah, you, you enjoy every single one of them, don't you? No tap ins apart from that FAW Premier Cup that was a, that was like yeah that must have been a yard a yard, uh, a yard out but now I, I probably quite enjoyed again it was probably one of my, my strengths of striking through a ball and getting behind it some would end up in the cops, some would end up in town fortunately some ended up in the back
2: net as well <laughs>
0: Thanks again to Gaz, top man, giving us his time uh, uh, in his busy schedule. Uh, Andy, predictions time. Right. So
3: um, we were two one up, and a part of me actually thought, do you know what? If they do equalise, at least I'm spot on on my prediction. So I was sort of seventy thirty that we wanted. I wanted that stuff to hold on because that thirty, that extra thirty, just to see Liam's face, I think probably would have been worth it. Well, what happened? But anyways, <laughs> Well, actually, what happened is they won. So, Liam, you are the only person who pre- successfully predicted a victory. So, two oh, points for oh, Liam, which takes him to eight points overall for the season. Well done, Liam. Uh, no, you're on 26. Yeah. Uh, I'm on 24. And Tim and Reese, you didn't score anything because we, you, like me, went for
0: draws. Oh, you of little faith. Mm, well done, okay. Liam.
2: I need to list that back. I thought I went for a win.
0: Yeah, it was uh, de- definitely uh, not going off on people.
3: Now you are two each. You went for the same scoreline as me because I was annoyed about that. So I get annoyed about this quite a lot. Um, right, Grimsby, Reese. Do you want to go first? We've got Maidenhead yeah. as well. Do you want to do both?
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna get overexcited. I'm gonna go no, for a oh, draw against Grimsby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm going to fight my usual urge to be extremely positive and overexcited and I'm going to go for a one-all draw uh, against Grimsby. And I think I will go for a... Hmm, I'm going to say a 2-0 win versus Maidenhead, but that's got banana skin written all over it judging by their results of the last couple of weeks. But seven points out of nine has got to be the minimum we're looking for here, especially after winning the first one. So, yeah, a draw, than a win.
4: Liam? I'm going to go for... Oh, I'm going to keep the optimism going. I'm going to say we're going to beat Grimsby
2: two-one on Tuesday night, back under the lights. Yeah, Maidenhead. I'm going to go for a one-all draw there.
3: Mm, okay. Um, do you know what? I think we're going to get a decent player in this week. I think I think Ollie Palmer more or less a done deal. So that will is it now? Yeah.
0: I, I'm Inside sure info.
3: Well, no. I just I just wonder when it's going to be announced. It could be after the Grims- Grimsby game. We've um, all got
0: sources, Andy. You have to tell us what your source is.
3: Oh, HP, I don't know. All right, so I'm going to go for two <laughs> wins. I'm going to go for a nervy 1 niler on Tuesday, but I think it's a more comfortable 3 1er on Saturday. Tim, last but not least. Polar opposite.
2: I'm going to go 3 1 against Grimsby and 1 0 on Saturday. Both wins.
3: Fair. Yeah.
2: Both wins, Grimms are in free fall, they're having a stinker. Sean Pearson's gonna get his pants pulled down by Paul Muller.
3: <laughs> by a 70% fit, Paul Mully. Yeah. 80% fit, apparently, according to Reese. Oh, no, he's, cool... he's lost he's lost ten percent in the last couple of couple yeah.
2: of days. The way Reese was setting it up, I thought he was gonna say, Oh, he's only 50 percent. Then when he hit me with 80 <laughs> percent,
0: well maybe he's deceiving it because he was he just you know, he's, he's so good. Um, I, I forgot to mention as well, actually, one of the best parts of the game, the way that we wasted time in injury time was an absolute piece of art because I think there were about six successive throw-ins and uh, Resort Johnson and Jordan Ponticelli in particular deserve praise for that because it was beautifully orchestrated and well done to them. It's not time wasting, it's game management, isn't it? That's the word. That's very true. Game yeah. management And it was excellent Anyway any Anything else to add Gents I think that's it Isn't it Can I
2: quickly find out How Jordan Ponticelli Changed the game Because I keep hearing He changed the game But nobody's elaborated On how Or why So fill us in
0: um, Well All I can say Is what most other people Have said I think In that He didn't stop running um, Him and Mullen To be fair to them Were getting Joy From balls over the top I don't know whether that was Because you Were playing quite high But Poticelli's pace was definitely causing problems he definitely stretched them um, and he and, you know, he, he played quite well as well he didn't just run he, uh, he showed some nice touches um, and played really well and also I give a shout out for Jordan Davis although he was actually extremely quiet during the game yesterday the strike back in was actually a really tricky one because it was bobbling and spinning and I thought when he was, was going to rock it in I thought he's skying this miles over the stand so he did well to just rocket out to the back post and uh, and get the own goal. It was very much down to him and Liam McLinden for setting it up, actually, to get the first cross in. So, yeah, you know, good good second half. Reminded me a lot of the South End game, actually, when we came back from 2 0 to be 2 0. Um, but this time, somehow, more through luck than judgment, we went in half time 1 0 rather than 2 0. But there we go, onwards and upwards. Um, if you've got any thoughts on the match, on the squad, you can email fearlessanddevotion at gmail.com or contact Tim on the Twitter. But until next week, bye-bye.
2: Take care. Take everyone.